Welcome to the first ever episode of the Sports Report, uh, hosted by the Sports Booth. What we are doing now is once every fortnight, that rugby podcast, and once every fortnight, that um, the Sports Report. Sports Report. And we'll be running through all the sporting news that's going on for the past two weeks, including rugby, but obviously that rugby podcast will go into more depths of rugby. Um, yeah. But on the on on the on the plan for today, we've got NFL, UFC, football, bit of rugby to touch on, a bit of cricket, and some rugby league to finish us off. But obviously, we're getting into the big stages, the bright lights of the NFL season. Husey, yes. eight became four, four winners, four very good teams going through, four very different storylines. Yep. You'd say, uh, yeah, it's. Let's let's run over our matchups that we've had this week. So we had to kick us off Houston versus Baltimore. So Houston, the fairy tale, rookie head coach, rookie quarterback team that picked number one or oh, number two overall last year and traded up to draft number three overall. And they smashed it out of the park with their draft picks. You know, CJ Stroud, Will Anderson Jr. Both been great. Derek Stingley Jr. Who they picked last year was really, really good as well. D'Amico Ryans came in and seemed like an amazing coach. I think last year's coach, Lovey Smith, I think he did a good job with the pieces he had, to be fair, right? But you could see D'Amico Ryans is on another level. I think Lovey Smith should get a job elsewhere because what he managing to get any wins out of that Houston team with a lack of draft capital, a lack of players, lack of support overall, it's pretty incredible. Um, so I think he should get a look somewhere else. Uh, and they they made it through the season, ended up winning the AFC South after the Jacksonville Jaguars choked it away in the last week of the season. That's why you don't fuck with the terrible towel. Uh, they choked away their playoffs and Houston made it in and they match up week one against the red hot Cleveland Browns who finished with a better record than them, but finished second in the AFC North and the Texans ran all over them. A lot of turnovers from the Browns. Um, and it was the rookie versus the vet and the rookie came out on top there. But this week, they came up against the big boys, the winners of the AFC North, the number one seed in the AFC, the Baltimore Ravens. And this is where you saw a, a world of difference between um, a rookie quarterback and an elite quarterback, the MVP presumptive Lamar Jackson, who had an absolutely fantastic game. There's always the question of rust versus wear and tear. You know, the Ravens sat all their players in the last week. Um, to give the Steelers a chance to beat all 53 players on their roster, which they did, um, starters and second strings. Uh, but Baltimore showed why they are going to the AFC Championship game and why they're going to be hosting it because they were just a class above the Texans. Our next game, probably the second most exciting game of the week. And that's saying something given that it finished 24 to 21 with San Francisco and Green Bay. Now, the scoreline at the end makes it seem a bit closer than what it actually was sort of during the latter half of the game. I feel like the 49ers sort of pulled away a little bit in the fourth quarter, uh, but huge respect to the Packers who have somehow found themselves another competent quarterback. You know, they just keep ticking them off. Um, and the fact that they made it as far as a seven seed and took the one seed all the way to three points is pretty impressive. Um, and I know a lot of people were down on uh, Matt LaFleur after a pretty ordinary 2022 season with Aaron Rodgers. Uh, but he, and everyone's a bit uncertain on love because to be quite honest in the three seasons prior to this, that love had been in the NFL where he'd come in to spell Rodgers hadn't really done that much to justify his first round draft status this year, though, particularly second half of the season, when they went on that run, he showed why he was a first round pick. 
He's shown some excellent um, touch. Shown, and this is a roster without that much talent at the wide receiver position. Like no super high draft picks at the wide receiver position. I think second round is the highest they've drafted a wide receiver. Uh, so I could be wrong. They probably drafted a receiver in the first round this year. I don't actually remember who they picked this year. Uh, but either way, not, I wouldn't say there's an elite receiver on this roster. Would agree. I think yeah. that's a fair statement to make. Yeah, I would agree yeah. as well. Let me let me let me check. Actually, let me do it. No, they picked a defensive end, right? They yeah. didn't pick. They didn't pick one. Okay, I was right. I'm I'm, <laughs> I'm sure I would have remembered. They picked one in the second round, Jalen Jaden Reed, and I think the year before Watson was Christian Watson. I think it yeah. was. He it's a Watson. It's something Watson. He was in the second round as well. I uh, so. so you know, fair play, fair play to them. Their defense was good as well. But the 49ers again show by they're the one seed. Then we travel to what I think is the best story of these playoffs and my unofficial team I'm rooting for. We had Detroit with Tampa Bay. Both these teams had great runs to come in. No one expected Tampa Bay to do anything this year, considering they, had, they didn't know who their starting quarterback was going to be, whether it was going to be Baker Mayfield or Trask. And uh, I guess they, they benefit from a pretty ordinary NFC South. Uh, though it was a tight division, but it was, you know, in the same way that, uh, I can't even. There's an analogy about sewer pipes and blockages there, but I don't really want to get into all that <laughs> detail. But Tampa Bay came out on top of that shit pile, and then they did a really good job in the first week of the playoffs. They've they've actually been playing really well as well. And this is the thing: you look look at all these teams. What's sort of the consistent th- theme about the teams that made it to the divisional round? They had momentum going into the into the playoffs, right? Um, you know, Miami, a team who who didn't make it past the wild card round, no momentum, right? Uh, you know, Dallas and Philadelphia, no momentum. They are out week one as well. So Tampa came with momentum, took it to the Eagles, and then they had a really close game against Detroit, but they had two turnovers in this game, and that was the difference. That was, given that it was a game ceiling interception, that really was the, the, the difference at all. I still thought Baker played really well. I still think he's their starting quarterback next year. Uh, I still think this Tampa Bay roster is loaded with talent that everyone overlooks just because Tom Brady left. But Detroit proved their worth. They're going to the NFC championship game. And I hope beyond hope that they go to the Super Bowl because if there's a city in America that deserves <laughs> to have a Super Bowl team, it's Detroit, given everything they've gone through totally. over the last however many years, just awful. And they, the, the people that are still fans of this team are incredible. Then we had the most recent game and probably the most highly anticipated game. And it lived up to its billing Kansas city versus Buffalo, but Kansas city in Buffalo for the first time in the playoffs. They met up earlier this year. Buffalo won. The They played in 2022, and I believe Buffalo won then as well. So Kansas City, not really... Uh, they didn't meet in the postseason in 2022, obviously, uh, but they... Because uh, I... Th- oh. Oh, did they meet in the post? No, they, yeah, sorry, 2022. I'm getting my years mixed up. They didn't meet in the postseason of 2022, which was 2023, uh, the start of 2023, because Cincinnati beat Buffalo and then Kansas City beat Cincinnati. But they they met during the regular season this year and lost, Kansas City, that is. They go into Buffalo. Fans are throwing snowballs at players trying to catch touchdowns in the end zone, which is fucking filthy if you ask me. You should be banned for life for doing that. That is, when you're when you're actively interfering with a game, that is beyond the pale to me. That you are there as a sports fan. You are not there to physically affect the outcome of the game. The way you affect the outcome of the game is cheering and booing, right? If you do anything to interfere with play on the field in a physical manner, you should be thrown out and banned because that is 
not what sports is about, right? Those players have earned the right to compete against each other, not against you and the crowd drunk guy with a beer belly who swears he could have played college football if not for a bum knee. They're not there against you. Snowballs aren't part of football, right? Unless you're chucking at other people in the crowd. Fair game, right? When you're chucking at players playing the game, when they're coming off the field, not on. But despite that, Kansas City, Patrick Mahomes proved why he is the best quarterback in the league, the heir to Brady. Um, he overcame a hostile environment. Josh Allen played amazingly. Josh Allen played really, really well. Kansas City defense played a little bit better. And in the end, typical Buffalo, it came down to a kick that missed wide right. <laughs> and Kansas City walk away with the win. They traveled to Baltimore for the AFC championship game. Uh, you get the feeling that my my initial look at the four teams that are remaining, Baltimore, San Fran, Detroit, Kansas City, if I was to power rank them, I would sort of say Baltimore, San Francisco, and Kansas City are all pretty level. They're all pretty even. And then Detroit's like half a step below them. Detroit is definitively the underdog of the four remaining teams. It is the lower seed of all the remaining teams. Uh, and it, they, it's going to be have to be a miracle for the for that team to get through San Francisco. However, San Francisco did look mortal against Green Bay. They didn't look as good as we thought maybe they would. Again, is that rust versus rhythm, momentum, all that sort of stuff. Detroit is def- definitely riding a wave of support. They've got a feel about them of a team of a little bit of destiny, but destiny can can swiftly, swiftly come to an end when you run into a brick wall, which is what they have in San Francisco. Kansas City and Buffalo Oh, sorry, Kansas City and Baltimore. Jeez, I, I couldn't pick. I can't pick a team there. Like Baltimore's at home, they're playing incredibly, but it's Patrick Mahomes in the postseason. You know, like you can't bet against him, right? Dumb, dumb it's, money. It's, yep. it's his sixth, <laughs> sixth straight AFC Championship game. That's. Inc- I don't even think Brady's done that. Surely like not. that's incredible. Yep. Yeah, that's that's an insane statistic. That's an insane. The record it, it's a, it's a it speaks to him it speaks to the coaching it speaks to his players around him but you got to think how many players are on the roster this year that were on the roster six years ago exactly not not a whole lot i would yeah. bet uh, definitely not his wide receiver core i doubt many of his wide receiver <laughs> core is going to still be on the roster next year yeah. just quietly and that's where i think baltimore has the edge and how weird is that to say that you think baltimore has the edge in receivers that's yep. crazy to say, <laughs> uh, you know, but I think they do. Zay Flowers and OBJ, I think, give give Baltimore uh, an edge that Kansas City doesn't have. I think Patrick Mahomes would sacrifice a small goat to be able to have OBJ on his team. Like, that's how desperate he is for receivers, right? 100%. Um, but, yeah, it's going to be some real interesting championship games. I'm so excited for that. As you can tell by the jersey, big NFL fan. Even though my team lost – in the playoffs, doesn't matter to me. I'm excited for these championship games. So you've you've given us all that, and you've said you can't pick. But now I'm going to put you on the spot and say you have to pick. Yeah. Who? What does your Super Bowl look like? Uh, this is my wish. This is what I, this is what I'm praying. This is what I'm rooting for is Kansas City versus Detroit because that was the first that was the kickoff game of the season, and Detroit won that uh, game. Yep. That's my wish to see those two match up again in the Super Bowl. So imagine the first game of the season and last game of the season, it's the same matchup. How 
great would that be? I'm a like I'm a stats and numbers nerd, so that to me is like, ooh, yeah, very would be very excited for that. So that would be my ideal civil matchup. That's what I'm wishing for. Realistically, I think it's probably going to be Kansas City and San Francisco because I can't pick against Mahomes. How can you pick against Mahomes? You know, it's just I it it feels like that anytime you think he's down and out, he just finds a way to win. He wills his way to win. I, I, yeah, I, 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 it's like, yeah, I just, I just can't do it. I feel like unexplainable. It's like, if I pick against Mahomes, I'm just going to make my, I'm just going to feel, if I pick Baltimore, I'm just going to feel stupid when Mahomes wins. Right. I'm just going to feel like a complete idiot. Yeah, I get that. And you know what I like to do? Is sometimes I like to feel like a complete idiot because I think Baltimore yeah. is going to stop my homes in this yeah. chat. Yeah, yeah. As you can tell from the <laughs> tough year that I've had. Um, well, it could all be changing soon. Um, yeah, yep. <laughs> which you can touch base life, on soon. But I think, in Atlanta. Yeah. Um, I think Baltimore get the job done. Um, I just do. I have yeah. that feeling about Baltimore um, this year like – they were 10 all against the Texans at halftime, and I just didn't feel any doubt that they were not going to come out on top. Like, it just feels that way. Yeah. It feels like Lamar, that defense is playing at another level. Um, as you said, mm-hmm. Mahomes is struggling with receiver help more than struggling with himself. But I just I just see I see this Baltimore D and Lamar, the Harbors, they're fucking running the show at the moment. So I just see mm-hmm. the storyline playing out like that. Over the other side, yeah, I'd love to say the Lions win, but I think this is where real dumb money comes in is when you're talking about the 49ers. Like, to bet against the 49ers, yeah. I think, would be really stupid in that situation. My heart, as you yeah. said, I would love to see Detroit in a Super Bowl. I think everyone would, but that 49ers team, yeah. um, they're just too good. They are too good. So I'm going 49ers-Ravens, yeah. which I think everyone's probably – that's where the hot money will be going. But I wouldn't mind seeing yeah. a Kansas City upset. Like, I love – like you've said, we were numbers men. I love seeing greatness in front of us. And, like, you often don't understand the greatness until it's gone, and we probably did that very much yeah. with Tom Brady. But if Mahomes makes another Super Bowl, we're just sitting there and going, this is, you know, the greatest quarterback of all time. Of The, the wide receiver core he's it's, got. It's so weird to think, like, at the end of Brady's career, you know, when we're thinking he's done all this, we're never going to see another player do anything like this again. And we're, we're starting to see it right now, but like before Brady even retired, we were seeing this from Mahomes, right. And we're seeing it continue. It yep. is absolutely crazy to think about. If he makes it to a Super Bowl, it'll be his fourth Super Bowl, right? Brady went to a total of 10. All right. And that 10 or nine or 10. Nine. He won, he won, he won seven, seven and lost. No, two. One, seven, That's right. He only three. lost two. Cause he got, didn't he lose twice lost, to the Giants? Yeah, because oh, he lost high. to the Eagles. He lost to the Eagles and the Giants, Giants twice. Yep. Yeah. So he went yeah. to 10. So, yep. yeah, went to 10, won seven, right? So Mahomes, we've gone to four. And Brady did a lot of his Super Bowls in his 30s. And Mahomes yep. is not yet 30. Mahomes is not yet 30. And he's actually on a surprisingly team-friendly deal as well, like Brady was on for all those years. Mm-hmm. Mahomes, it sounds like big money, but spread out over 10 years compared to some of these other contracts we're seeing and how much they're going to increase – over time, every year, the highest paid player changes, right, yeah. for a reason. So I think Mahomes and the Chiefs did a very smart move there. I think Mahomes was very, very smart in recognizing that, yes, I need to secure my bag, but I need to get 
I, I like winning, so I want my team to have money to pay out as well. Um, but speaking of smart decisions, some big decisions coming up for a lot of franchises in the NFL, including your own Atlanta Falcons and my Pittsburgh Steelers, and that is coaching hires. You're looking for a new head coach after uh, the most consistently below average coach, I think, in <laughs> NFL history. Three straight years of seven and ten is um. it's impressive. Just, ha- you know, I guess the Falcons were looking for consistency and they found it, uh, but consistency in the, in the wrong direction. However, I think this year there are actually some of the best head coaching candidates that we've seen in a while. There is a, a bevy of talent out there. The, the leading name, of course, is Bill Belichick, who still wants to coach. Greatest coach of all time. Will, he'll probably go down as the greatest coach of all time. If he wins a Super Bowl with another franchise, I think that's that's pretty well cemented. They might yeah. have to call it the Lombardi-Belichick trophy. Looking around the rest of the league, we have we already have two confirmed head coaching hires. Uh, both of them, I think, pretty obvious. Uh, Raiders, Antonio Pierce, the interim head coach from the year after Josh McDaniels was fired. He elevated this team. His players fell in love with him. Las Vegas fell in love with him. Uh, he brings a good Raider attitude. I think uh, the Raiders always <laughs> when they, when they were exactly when they when they're at their best when they're at their peak they are assholes they are the they're the dickheads of the league and that's where they like to be and that's what Antonio Pierce brings now I'm not saying he's an asshole or a dickhead but I think he brings the attitude necessary to be that I think Gruden actually did that as well um, until sort of was probably undone probably by some controversial emails and things like that. <laughs> I, I don't, I won't go into the full details of that, but I think Gruden had the right idea there. I think Gruden is probably a generation too late. I yeah. think Antonio Pierce is young enough to respond to the players uh, and the players to respond to him. So I think he's a great hire there. The Patriots hired internally. They had a succession plan in place, so they didn't need to go through a full coaching interview process. And they hired Gerard Mayo, um, a former Patriots linebacker, uh, stayed entirely within their system uh, in, in terms of a coach and things like that. Um, great, great hire. I think he's a really respected name in that building, provides some continuity for the players as well. Um, and, But I think because he is so young compared to Belichick, who'd been coaching for a, a long, long time, brings fresh ideas, new way of doing things. And I think importantly, they're going to need to hire a general manager now, which they haven't had under Belichick. Belichick was selecting players and it just wasn't good. He was not good at selecting players. I think he's good at getting the best out of the players, but he is not a good general manager after what we've seen from the last few drafts. Yeah. So, you know, but that's fine. I don't think that impacts his legacy because his legacy is as a coach, not as a yeah. general manager, right? We've seen this a couple of times now where the coach wants to be the general manager as well. And it's all been for the Belichick tree, uh, you know, namely Bill O'Brien, and it hasn't worked. So mm-hmm. you need someone that specializes in that. You need someone that specializes in that. Um, speaking of other uh, head coach openings, uh, we've got the Carolina Panthers. That I, pff, I don't know if I'd want to go there if I'm a if I'm a coaching candidate. That seems like a good place for your career to die. I think if you're a, if you're a first time head coach, that's not somewhere you want to go. I think that is a job for someone with previous coaching experience who is likely to get another job if this one doesn't work out because the owner David Tepper is pretty seems pretty toxic from what we've seen through the year, you know, throwing a drink on fans, firing a head coach into his, in his first year, allegedly overruling their preferred quarterback pick of CJ Stroud to get Bryce young. 
yeah, I don't know. It's not somewhere I'd particularly want to go if I'm a first-time head coach. Uh, other head coaching positions, uh, Los Angeles Chargers, which is another one that Belichick has looked into. I think that's a very attractive one. I think that's got a team with a good, a really good quarterback, really good um, pieces on defense and offense. Uh, but new head coach, new general manager, I think that'll be a good one. And I think AFC West can be real competitive with them, the Raiders, and maybe even the Broncos um, coming at the Chiefs. We say that every year. Mahomes yeah, still wins. Nothing, so yeah, who, knows? Nothing changes. who knows? <laughs> yeah. Um, a few other teams have got coordinated changes, but other head coaching ones, the Titans moved on from Mike Vrabel. I think that one's a little bit of a surprise. Yeah. I personally would have probably stuck with him given that his, he, he was first year with Will Levis as his rookie quarterback. I think, Rabel still had something to offer. I think whichever team gets him, whether it's as a defensive coordinator or a head coach, will be getting a steal. We'll be getting a steal, the fact that he's available. Um, the Commanders is another uh, big one. Um, they started out sort of hot and really petered out. Rivera really hasn't done enough with them. Uh, they don't have a quarterback. They're in a division with two elite quarterbacks in Hertz and Dak Prescott. And yes, I am saying elite. They are elite. They uh, were fantastic during the regular season. Hertz went to a Super Bowl last year. Dak was really, really good during the regular season. His postseason work leaves something to be desired. Sure. But I still think he is an elite quarterback. He is someone you can win a championship with. You can, you can win a championship with Dak Prescott, I think. Uh, so Washington, they need something like that. They've got really good wide receivers in Terry McLaurin, uh, Jahan Dotson, uh, you know, they've got pieces there. Um, I think it's a quarterback and a coach that they, they really need to, um, look into. Um, and the Seattle Seahawks is another one. Um, you know, Pete Carroll, st- uh, stepping back into like a coaching manager type role, um, coaching advisor, basically we want to keep you around, but we want someone else to do the day-to-day stuff. You're getting a bit old. Um, and I, I think that's a, that's a, that is an attractive job as well. Um, so lots of lot, very interesting offseason coming up for the NFL. Uh, really loaded with questions. Um, a quarterback heavy draft, which always makes things interesting as well. Uh, we'll see what happens. It's I'm I am for one am looking forward to it. Yeah, we'll get get the season rolled out, and then I imagine it'll be the uh, merry-go-round, and the circus will go go alight in the mm. NFL world. Um, in the off-season, like it's going to be one of those off-seasons that you won't stop hearing news stories coming from here, coming from here, um, yeah. with the draft, like you just said, top-heavy quarterbacks, who's going to move there, yeah. pieces, who's going to try and make a big splash. I think especially after what Houston did by moving up to free as well to get Will Anderson, yep. having Stroud and having such a good year. I think some teams will go, can we... Can we get that blueprint? So, and there's some teams that want to move. There's some teams, you know, obviously the Bears. Yeah, there's number some one teams pick. that probably want to move down. You know, yeah, Cardinals might want to move down. Someone, some, there's there's a, quite a few good quarterbacks in here. We know the top three. The definitely the top two picks are going to be quarterbacks. Potentially even top four. They're sitting at four, so they might see if someone wants to come up to four and grab a piece there, grab themselves an extra first round pick. You know, the uh, Bears have got two first round picks as well, courtesy of the Panthers. So. They could use that second first round pick to move up to grab another early first round pick and sacrifice next year's first round pick, so on and so forth. There's lots of options there for for these teams. The Bears are the team I'm really looking at 
to uh, potentially make some big moves in this draft, considering they're already picking number one overall. I think they they really need to decide in this draft whether, you know, the biggest question for them is, is Justin Fields their quarterback of the future or do they think it's going to be Caleb Williams or Drake May? Mm-hmm. Personally, I don't know about Caleb Williams. I'm, you know, I'm very uncertain on him um, based on his, his – he seems like a bit of a flat track bully, to be honest. So I don't know how well that'll translate to the NFL. If you're the Bears general manager, Husey, what are you doing right now? Obviously this will change up to, but right now in the position right now today. I think, I think Justin Fields can be their quarterback. I think he can be their quarterback. He has shown enough to look, unless you're, unless you're all in on Drake may, I don't think, I don't think you should be all in on Caleb Williams, to be honest. I don't think he's, I don't think he's it. I, look, I might look up, end up looking like an idiot later on, but I don't think he's it. I think Drake May is the quarterback that is the top quarterback in this draft. If you think he is him, if you think he is the the top prospect, um, or maybe some other quarterback, just not Caleb Williams. If you yeah. think that whatever quarterback you get is is the answer, is that much better than Justin Fields, then you take that quarterback and you look to trade Fields for a second round pick. Right, or you might look. To, you might leverage Fields and your other first-round pick for an earlier first-round yeah. pick. Right, so you might trade to one of these teams that need a quarterback who they might like, Justin Fields. So maybe your Patriots or someone like that who's picking early in the draft. You might trade your first, your extra first-round pick and Justin Fields to the Patriots for their early first-round pick. Take a quarterback and uh, take another key piece, someone on the board, yeah. maybe an offensive tackle or um, a wide receiver. You know, some is another really talented player. That so it really comes down to whether you believe in Justin Fields or not. If you do believe in Justin Fields, you trade out of the number one spot, and you charge as much for it as you can get. Yep. You you fleece whatever team wants that number one pick, because I'm sure there are teams out there who are sold on Caleb Williams or Drake May or whoever it may be, and are convinced that that's the piece they need to to win a championship. And you take that team to the bank. You take mm-hmm. them for everything they're worth. And a little bit on top, right? Because that pick is in in a quarterback heavy draft where people think these are all franchise quarterbacks. Everyone wants a slice of that pie. You get what you can get for that. Interesting. Going to be interesting. Shall we move on to the USC, mm-hmm. um, where South Africa yes. win again? God, I hate having to say this. The South Africans end up on top it's again. Been, it's been a, it's been a good. Good last six months or so for the South Africa, right? You know, they win the World Cup for the Rugby World Cup, obviously. Uh, they take Israel to the International Criminal Court of Genocide <laughs> Charges and appear, and for, for the first time in their history, seem to have the moral high ground. It's amazing yeah. saying about apartheid nation. They seem to, they're, they're the moral compass of the world right now. And then they beat a bigoted homophobe in the, in the <laughs> UFC. So it's just an incredible six month run for them. You know? Yes, I mean it's, it is incredible. And Duplessis, uh, who we were talking about, bet Strickland for the UFC championship, um, which was once upon a time Israel Adesanya's championship, so a New Zealander, mm. which was once upon a time Robert Whitaker's an Australian's championship. Yeah. So I'm thinking, just putting on my Dana White bald cap, you know, the rugby championship happens. Why not? Yeah. Why not just have a one v one v one like a freeway? All yeah. of a sudden. Australia, New Zealand, South Africa are in there. You know, you go the day after 
Bolletta Slow or the day after one of the South Africa versus New Zealand game have one of the greatest events in the world. Um, maybe you don't do it on freeway, but you do or, it. Or you, w- you work with the Rugby Championship and the opener to Australia versus New Zealand as Robert Whittaker versus Israel Adesanya, right, in the stadium. Yeah, I love that. In the stadium, charge a little bit extra and bring USC people to a rugby game. The winner of that. Bring rugby people to a USC match. Fights Duplessis and we we all of a sudden have our our, our tri-nations of USC. (laughs) Yeah, well then the opener to New Zealand versus South Africa is Adesanya versus Duplessis and the opener to Australia versus South Africa is... Uh, um, Whitaker versus uh, C as well. You know, you yeah. just you you do that, do that, and then yeah, you know. Um, look, I don't know that much about UFC, so I don't know the hey the logistics of that work. If that would even be, possible, <laughs> I, I, I don't think they'd hey, have enough time between fights, unfortunately. But yeah, they would probably our, fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they <laughs> would be severely fucked up. We, we'll put on our board cap, and then Dana White will clearly tell us to get fucked. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but you would yeah. like to mention obviously now, uh, a big money move in the UFC. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, look, it, it, I, if I was a sports gambling man, which I'm not, I would have bet my mortgage on Duplessis in this fight. Do you know why, Luke? Do you know what? Do you want me to tell you why? Explain it to me. Why, my friend? Because Drake put a $700,000 bet on Sean Strickland. That is the undefeated sporting death knell is if Drake is in your corner, you're guaranteed to lose. The fact that he put $700,000 down on Strickland, I should have put $700,000 down on Duplessis if I, you know, if, if I was a betting man, that is just, you know, um, it's hard to feel sorry for Strickland in any sort of sense, but you know, that was really the kiss of death. Yeah. Yeah. That, that'll set you um, on a path that you don't want to go yeah. on. And Drake settled it for yeah. him. But yeah, some exciting times coming up in the yeah. USV, uh, UFC. Um, obviously, Duplessis as well called out Adesanya. So it'll be interesting. Yeah. Adesanya, I think, reported back this morning saying our, our paths are coming together. So we may see Israel back in the octagon. Yeah, which I can't wait to see. I hope, yeah. I hope he wins. Um, We'll move quickly on to <laughs> football. I, I can't stand another South African win over New Zealand. I can't do it. I can't do it. Um, <laughs> uh, we'll just move on to the football quickly. Um, and the reason I want to yep. move on to football, um, there's not been a lot of football. There's, um, they've had their international break and then they've coming back slowly into the EPL and stuff like that. But the A-League um, has made some news this week. Yeah. And it's it's good to talk about because purely because obviously we're supporters of Super Rugby, the NRL, you know, all of that. A-League is the biggest competition in Australia, Australasia, um, whatever you want to say. They're in some serious financial trouble. They're cutting up to half of um, their staff apparently, um, a lot being yeah. in the marketing team where the Red Undersees are going to come in. They chucked in a Unite round, which is very similar to – your gather rounds, your super rounds, your magic rounds, um, where all the games are happening yeah. at one stadium. Twelve games were happening in Sydney. They had less than forty-eight thousand fans come in, which I believe is even less than what Super Round got. What Super Round isn't big in Melbourne either. Yeah. We've we've talked about that pretty heavily. Um, so it's just not looking good in the A League world. I have my opinions of this. No. I always think the A League's going to struggle a little bit. I love what they've done with setting up the second division, and they're working on that. And I think that'll yeah get them on the right course because the A-League is built around like clubs, but clubs that have just been built out of nothing, if you know what I mean, like the Wellington Phoenix 
were built as a franchise. We're about to get another one in Auckland. That's just going to be a franchise. It's like the same thing, and again, I'm going to quote Eddie Jones, which is surprising, but you've got that Super Rugby, then you've got Club Rugby, and then you try to build out that NRC over in Australian Rugby, which was just you know New South Wales country, New South Wales, and it was like, these aren't... Why would I support one of those teams? You know, it's going to take 20-odd-plus years, 50-odd-plus years to get behind one of those teams, and they're not actually a club. They're just a, yeah. a franchise. It's a, the American model that I don't think in soccer football works that well. I think football is based yeah. on your belief behind a club. But I don't know as well. You're, you're probably closer. Yeah. You've got more teams over there. But as, uh, the Phoenix get quite a lot of support yeah. because we struggle with teams over here. Yeah, look, I'd love to see what's good about English football is that they in every town and village has got a, a club, right? And it is a club. It's a local part of the community. So I think I'd love to see particularly, I think there is to be quite honest, and this might just be my geography bias, but I think football would be very popular North of the bridge, right? Because a lot of kids at school up in this area play football because they see it as a safe alternative to rugby and the AFL, right? So that means they're going to be more interested in it. They're going to be more supportive of it. You know, I'd love to see some more North Sydney teams. I'd love to see like a upper North shore team, right? You need to, I, I think the upper North shore really suffers from a lack of sporting teams other than sort of subbies rugby type teams, you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, and just like a little, a, a second division club up here, I think would do quite well. You've got public transport all the way up here as well, which works well. I think, yeah, the, there's a real too much focus of south of the bridge sometimes. And I think that market is already pretty saturated with your NBL, NRL, AFL, uh, uh, you know, even cricket. It, it's, it's all t- way too focused on those two stadiums, right? And, like, I get it. You need to – the stadiums need to see regular action to – be paid for, but I think you're focusing it too much on two areas that are expensive to get to, difficult to get to, and uh, they don't suit every sport. They don't suit every level of competition. Um, so yeah, I think it is. You need to look at the start. You know, you need to uh, you need to plan big, act small to co-opt a um, to co-opt a saying. You need to plan for the bigger picture, but you need to act in small areas, in little ways, and build it up organically. I think that goes for football. I think that goes for rugby. I think that goes for any sport that is struggling um, That with numbers, Agreed. to be honest. Agreed. Yeah, that's a great way to put it, I think. Yeah. All of those sports need to, again, maybe take a, take a moment to go, what's the end goal of this? Do we want 50,000 people in stadiums? Mm. Or, you know, are we going to put... Again, ten thousand people and fifty thousand people stadiums, or would we rather ten thousand people yeah. selling out a stadium and a smaller stadium? Yeah, exactly. I'd like rather that, a so. smaller venue where it's full, right? And as well, it's even even it's full. Even if you get shitty seats at the stadium, you still got a better view than shitty seats at a fifty thousand or even medium seats at a fifty thousand person stadium, where it's not being filled out. You know, totally. But yeah, so, so it'll be interesting. You get two for public transport as well. You know, that's 100%. a that's a must. Is the yep. is the public transport aspect of it is a must. Um, it is, it'll be an interesting few months in the A-League world, obviously. Phoenix riding high, the, the New Zealand team. But th- th- there's growth, there's definitely money in football, so it's just about how they're going to go about it. But let's move on to rugby. Yep. Um, we will touch base yes. just quickly on this because this will be probably um, the height of our conversation next week, but 
Joe yeah. Smith, the new Wallabies head coach, yep. and what I believe is one of the best signings in Australian rugby history. Um, I just I don't see a bad point from the signing. It makes sense. Well, see, this this is you know how it, you, this is how you know it's a good signing is that the Australian media were trying so hard to find something wrong with this signing. The worst they could come up with is that he's boring. Is that yeah. he's not doesn't give press conferences like Eddie Jones, and it's like, great, that's perfect. The 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 anti Eddie, the antithesis of Eddie. He's very detail oriented, hard taskmaster, de- detail oriented. I'm saying that again because it's so important and been so lacking in Australian rugby that, and history of success at the national level with with two great international teams in Ireland and New Zealand. Boy, I mean, we're gonna we'll have more of a chat about it next week. But if the worst criticism that you can come up is that he's boring, and that he's not Australian, you know, the uh, you know, I was one of the people that was on a, a Stephen Larkham train. Even I'm happy with this signing. You know, I think Stephen Larkham, there's there's plenty of time for him to coach Australia in the future. You know, it's not as if he's walking away from the game anytime soon. I'm happy for him to continue developing in the Brumby system. Might be maybe he comes on in some sort of advisory or assistant capacity to the Wallabies. You know. No need to rush into it. So, you know, if that's the worst mud the the media can sling, is that he's boring? Mm-hmm. Right. I'd take yeah. that any day of the week. I'll take boring. I'll take a boring year, to be quite honest. Yeah. I, I just think, as you've said, he's he's got results behind him. He's only signed on for two years, so, like, until the end of the British and Irish Lions. If it's all moving in the right direction, I imagine he may stay on until that World Cup. Or I imagine mm-hmm. Joe Smith is the type of guy that will have a pre a plan in place, and if it is Larkham and yep. Larkham becomes that man, whatever. But yeah, I just think, I just think for the whole Australian rugby, this is such a big step in the right direction. Mm. Cricket. I just wanted to touch base on this quickly. Now, I watched the all of the days mm. highlights of Australia versus West Indies because if you're going to watch Test cricket, there's no better team to watch than Australia at the moment. Like that team yeah. is just fucking devastating. I watched a bit of it. Um, it, and was, they, it was actually on in our in our office, so I watched a bit of it in in coffee breaks. And man, that was a, a thorough shellacking. Uh, I just yeah. that Australian team doesn't have a lot of weaknesses, and you just sit there and you go, "No, gosh, I wouldn't like to play them." Now they're playing the West Indies. Obviously, great time for Steve Smith to start opening the team because it's not the end of the world with with what's happening. But I just wanted to mention this really quickly yeah. because Ian Smith is one of the greatest commentators in New Zealand history. Um, Sky Sport, yeah. our main um, producer of cricket, let him go, I believe, at the end of last year. And hearing him on Australian cricket is like a breath of fresh air. Like, I just love hearing him. As a New Zealander speaking on Australian mm. cricket, I love what Aussie cricket have done with getting him in there. It was just, honestly, I sat there and I was like, I don't think, and, and I would like to hear your disagreement to this argument, I think cricket commentators may be the best commentators in the world. Now, I say that because, ah. especially test cricket, it's obviously quite a slow sport, and so they have to talk about a lot. And I just sat there and I was, like, enthralled with the commentary at all times. And I tend to think that I might, yeah. again, this might start a bigger argument, and I'd love to put a post out there, like, who is, what sport has the best commentators? Because, yeah. look, you could, you could argue, look, people argue, oh, NFL, but I don't think NFL, I think NFL is uh, no, saturated I with commentators NFL, as well. Actually. I might surprise you on who I think the best commentators are, actually. And I think it's actually EPL commentators. I think they make every goal 
sound like it's the greatest goal ever scored. Goal in the world. Yeah, I can see that. Peter Dario, who yeah. the name was. It just, um, yeah. Yeah. I, every time I see a EPL highlight where a player does something really good, like first off, yeah, they've got extraordinary skill. But second, the commentary elevates it to an incredible level there. NFL, I think actually the commentary has been has, – has probably decreased in quality in the last 10 years. Maybe that's just my nostalgia. Um, rugby, especially in Australian rugby, like, I like Sean Maloney, but we need you need to mix it up, rugby yeah. Australia. You can't have the same guy commentating every game. No matter how good he is, you're eventually going to get sick of his voice because he's doing every single game. And it's just – it's not – it's not exciting to listen to. You, you need also, variety. You also there. signed Sonny Bill Williams, and that's a disaster at any point to have yeah. him signed as a commentator. But yeah, yeah, I think he's. I think he's an analyst. I wouldn't say he's a commentator. Either way, you know? whatever you whatever you've got him in there as, yes. <laughs> not not the one, yeah. uh, not the career no, choice. No. I think for Sonny Bill. But yeah, I might yeah. put that out there. See, NRL see what pre- we get. NRL is yeah. good NRL when you don't have blocker. Anyways. Yeah, when yeah I'm trying, to, trying to, to pronounce a Polynesian name yeah. <laughs> is, uh, you know, interesting. Um, but I think EPL <coughs> is probably my top commentators. That's I think okay. it's two different types of commentating. Um, I think cricket, they have to do an excellent job to keep you engaged over five days. Yeah. That's a pretty tough task. It's a long time. I think they, and I think they do a good job on their rotations. Um, but I think that... So I think they, it's almost like endurance versus sprinters. I think cricket are really good for what they do, but I think EPL is good at the, at the sprint, at making it really exciting. Yeah, you know? I, get, I, I see what you mean. Yeah, totally. There's definitely some moments in EPL football that you just want to forget because of the commentating. Let's wrap this up with NRL, my friend. Um, you kick us off yeah. with your Dragons that have been a bit all over the place in uh, the off-season, have a, yeah. probably the best head coaching I, signing, I would say, of the off-season. Yeah, it's... It's been a bit of a mixed bag. You know, some signings that we had aimed for didn't come through. You know, notably Adam Fanua Blake. Um, I think we've got enough <coughs> young players coming through that it's not the end of the world. I think the the biggest disappointment, though, was the situation with Volkman, Ronald Volkman, who came over from the Warriors. Now, there's a, been a failure along the way before he got to the Dragons. So what happened was Volkman had a shoulder reconstruction last year while he was playing for the Warriors, had the repair, had the surgery done, started training this offseason with the Warriors and hit his shoulder. Now, he said he reported he felt fine from that, so the Warriors didn't investigate further. Not sure what happened there. He then, the Dragons show interest in him. He then requests a release from the Warriors who release him and he comes over to the Dragons they announced their intention to sign him pending a medical check. And in that medical check, it revealed that his shoulder would require further surgery. So the Dragons don't go ahead with the contract. Now, uh, the Dragons copped a lot of flack for that. But at the same time, why would you pay for someone else's mistake when this player's going to miss the whole year? You know, there was, I don't think that's on the Dragons. Like, that's a pretty standard clause in any player contract is to sign them pending passing a medical exam. You know, and ensuring that they are in one piece. That's in the NFL as well. And a good example from the NFL, Larry Ogajobi went to sign with the Chicago Bears. He didn't pass his medical, so they cancelled his contract. And then he ended up going to another club 
in the Steelers. So that's a pretty standard clause in a lot of sporting contracts. For me, you know, the, I think the Warriors CEO was probably a bit flippant on this, saying, oh, I would have thought the medical test was something that you would do as due diligence before you sign the contract. And it's a bit like, well, yeah, they did. That's why they didn't sign the contract. Why the, That's why the contract's been voided. I think the due diligence wasn't done on the Warriors side when you have a player coming back from a shoulder reconstruction. He, There was a significant hit to his shoulder during off-season training, and you didn't check it out fully. So that's where I see it. Either that or Volkman made it out to be less discomfort, less pain than what it actually was. And I think that's probably the most likely scenario, yeah. to be quite honest, is that he thought, oh, it's just a stinger. I'll get over this pain. It'll be fine. And then it just wasn't. I, yeah, and now I he's, imagine. because of that, he's on, he's landed in the unfortunate position of being clubless and facing a hefty medical bill. Yeah, I, I imagine, as a neutral kind of on this, like obviously I have support for the Warriors, you're a young player who's looking to break through in a career. You see an opportunity to get to the Dragons. You're probably going to take it. And as you said, probably just think, oh, I've got a bit of a sore shoulder. It'll be right. Obviously, as you said, a medical finds all this out. I think it's agreed like a player shouldn't be released until a medical has been completed by another team. Mm -hmm. In my opinion, that's where this, like... He said, "Yes, I want to come to the, the NRL terrible contract situation. Yeah. You know, it's the NRL contracts in general is just terrible. It is because because as the Warriors, you're not going to well, we, we if you don't want to be here. Yes, we'll let you go. Hundred percent, cool. Like if you want to go, there's another opportunity. Go, and then you go. Oh, but we've got to wait until you actually have this medical. It makes no sense. Like it is. It's a hundred percent the dumbest thing ever. Like at least if you look at the EPL, they do medicals before the transfer goes through. There's some money that obviously gets exchanged." So they do the medical before the transfer happens and it makes sense because there's money being exchanged. There's no reason for the Warriors to keep Volkman on their books while he does a medical at another team. You know what I mean? Like, and again, it's the NRL as a whole has an issue there. I think, yeah, I think Volkman probably saw an opportunity. Now we're in this sticky situation. It's an eye-opener, I think, for the mm. NRL and I hope that makes them go, maybe we need to change this, maybe we need to adjust what we're doing because, yeah, yeah I just, I, you don't want this yeah. to happen to anyone. Like, like I'm sure both teams exactly. did not want this to happen. Like, to me, Volkman was a great signing for the Dragons. It was, he was also not needed at the Warriors. Like, it was a, it was a, it was a good world yeah. until, obviously, the injury came up. So, yeah, unfortunate. But what do you reckon yeah. about Flano, my friend? Let's get into Flano more, more importantly. What can he do yeah, with these Dragons? So, I think it's probably the, Probably the second biggest story of the NRL offseason and going into the season behind Magic Maguire at the Blues, because I think Origin is always the biggest story of the year. Yeah. Um, but I think after that, it's Flanagan and the Dragons because Dragons are one of the core clubs of the the NRL. You know, like they've got a solid fan base um, throughout New South Wales and beyond, but particularly in that Illawarra region um, and and um, the St George's area. Uh, I think Flanagan's a good hire. He's been in the system. Um, he's premiership winning coach. Uh, yeah, I and he's he's got a bit more personality to him than Hook Griffin did. Um, and he's not going to move players all out of position. Like he's been made his his uh, expectations very clear from the start. You know, Lomax will probably move back to his natural center spot if he doesn't get the fullback spot, which he probably won't. It looks like Tyrell Sloan's going to lock that down. Um, 
you know, I don't mind the Kyle Flanagan styling. I thought he got better as he went on for the Bulldogs. <coughs> and it's necessary after Junior Amon threatened someone with a hammer and had his contract deregistered, which was the right move. By the way, I say that as a Dragons fan, that is the right move. As painful as it's going to be to not have his playmaking ability, that's the right move. Um, you know, I, I think there's... Um, I think the Dragons signed some good pieces last year. I think they weren't used correctly, and I think there was discipline issues, as there has been at the Dragons for the last few years. I think Flanagan will crack down hard on that. He's been disciplined himself in the past. He knows, you know, he knows that this is a a golden opportunity for for him, and he's going to make the most of it, and he's going to make sure the players make the most of it as well. So, yeah, look, I think. Look, if they if they come within sniffing distance to the top eight this year, it's a good sign, and then they need to get top eight year after I, you know, there's potential for them to make the top eight. There's a potential for any team to make the top eight realistically. Right. You know, I think, I think all this doom and gloom about teams before the season is generally unwarranted. Um, you know, I think there's some cases where you could say, yeah, it probably they're not going to do so well. Like I, like the Tigers last year, I think everyone sort of thought, yeah, there's probably not gonna be too much happening there. You know, as, as good as Sheens and Benji might be, it's just, it's hard. There's not. There's not a whole lot there. You're really scraping the barrel. Um, but other than that, I think teams have all got opportunities to do it. Um, so another really big story. What I would think is probably the next biggest story is Jack White and moving on from Canberra to South Sydney. Um, you know, I think that South Sydney team is pretty stacked. I think that's going to be if, if the troll could stay healthy throughout the year, they are going to be a team to look out for. And then another big story is Ryan Pappenhausen, who's been discussed recently, particularly with his injury that came at the end of the season where his own teammate Nelson Asafa Solomona rolled up on his ankle. And there are a few people, notably Alex McKinnon, Alex, yep. yeah, Alex McKinnon, yep. who basically said because he, was, he wasn't he was put into fullback, he was sort of put into a middle-of-the-field roaming position. If he was at fullback, he wouldn't have been – carrying the ball there or he wouldn't have been around that tackle or however it was, he would have been safer. And that's, that's such a crapshoot. You know, NRL yeah. is such a fluid game and it, it, stuff happens all over the place. I think it's impossible to predict. Um, I think it's impossible to even say that, yeah, his percentage of being okay to being in a troubled spot went up. That's significantly higher. But biggest question is when Pappenhausen returns, how healthy is he going to be? Yeah. Um, I think the Melbourne Storm showed last year, and Craig Bellamy showed that they can they can get to the finals without Pappenhausen, but they can't make it much further without him. Agreed. I, th- I think yeah, Melbourne's year does rest on having having Papi and having a healthy Papi, and when he's when he's there, yeah, it, it, the whole season doesn't hinge on it, but them having a finals a grand finals, a grand final yeah. does. Yeah, yeah, I, I I believe that too. I think he's just a talent that. Yeah, it's just been unfortunate as well in a lot of these injuries. I, I contact injuries you can't avoid. You just it's unfortunate. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it will be very interesting to see. But there, obviously, the NRL getting closer and closer as well to its preseason. I just put a post mm-hmm. up about Union being, I think, thirteen days away, twelve days away now from um, Super Rugby preseason. So NRL will be getting yeah. very close too. But that's. Is us today. This has been the first episode of the Sport Reports. We'll be yeah. back again in two weeks, running you all down what's happened in the past two weeks, making sure you know what is happening in the world of sport. Thank you for joining us. I've been Luke. That has been Husey. We've been the Sports Booth. We will see you later. Goodbye. Peace.